0: Welcome in, ladies and gentlemen, to episode number 112 of Let's Go Racing with David Starr. Tyler Jones here with you. So glad to have you with us. Coming up on today's show, going to be joined by Brian Newdorf. He is the unofficial, official NASCAR meteorologist on social media. And he is the guy that you hear from when you are trying to figure out what the weather situation looks like, if a race is going to be delayed or not, but he does more than just that. We're going to share his story and his background and how he got into meteorology and also as a NASCAR fan and and an Indy fan as well. He's got deep roots in Indiana that we'll talk about and uh, look ahead to the biggest weekend of the year in motorsports as we cap off the month of May. With the Coca-Cola 600, the Indy 500, and the F1 Monaco Grand Prix, we'll talk about all of that more coming up in just a matter of moments. Before we bring Brian in, we do want to look back on the weekend that was at the All-Star Race in North Wilkesboro with uh, Kyle Larson getting the win, taking home the million-dollar check. His uh, his wife, Caitlin, with uh, the shotgunning of the beer and, and uh, victory lane and everything, great celebration to uh, cap off a... Ah, uh, fantastic weekend there in North Wilkesboro. David Starr joins us right now. David, uh, always a, a pleasure to do this show. And I, I got to tell you, I know the racing may not been that exciting, but everything else around North Wilkesboro, I, I'd consider success. What'd you make of uh, the All Star weekend there in North Wilkesboro? Kyle Larson getting the win, David.
1: Man, you uh, you hit the nail right on the head, buddy. It's uh, it, it was amazing, and to see them bring back a racetrack that I've frequently visit over the years. I would never thought I would have seen what I saw on television this past weekend. Uh, man, so much history there. North Wilkesboro, just, uh, man, I just, I love what I see on TV, the enthusiasm, the fans. Uh, uh, you know, it's cool that they left the, the pavement the same. Uh, but, man, they did a phenomenal job. Marcus Smith, the Smith family, uh Man, Dale Earnhardt Jr., but it's amazing to see the excitement in the racing and to have the all-star race there at North, Wil- North Wilkes-World is just incredible. If you had told me two or three years ago that that was going to happen, I would have probably betted against that, you know what I mean, because the place was in bad shape, and uh, it's amazing to see uh, what it is today. And, and uh, I know there's so many race fans in that part of the country that are so excited, and it was cool.
0: Uh, Dominic Olegon from the RacingExperts.com joins us as well, as always. Dom, you know, I know Kyle Larson dominated and everything, but just seeing that atmosphere, the sellout crowd, 30,000 people there, the the throwback weekend that it felt like. I I would consider it, even despite the race not being that great, a success, and I don't know what the future holds. Um, we, We heard from Marcus Smith say, that they're still trying to figure out where North Wilkesboro fits in the schedule. Didn't even guarantee the all-star race would be back n- there next year. But credit where credit's due to Marcus Smith, the Dale Earnhardt Jr., everybody that made that event happen, that's what the fans have been begging. That's what they've been asking for is uh, events like this to throw it back to yesteryear. It, it, was, it was like going in a time machine.
2: Oh, it certainly was. And I was reading through the transcript of Marcus Smith talking with reporters after the race and reporters – Talking about this nostalgic feel. And and Smith was recalling a story of just people, or or, I apologize, a reporter, talking about a story of just walking through and and hearing all the fans talking about, okay, we have Darlington, we have Charlotte, but this is our home. We have a home track again after 27 years. And and the points brought up to Tyler in that press conference, Marcus talking about how... There's a there's a lot of potential with North Wilkesboro and keeping it in the SMI rotation. He was flat out asked, "Is this coming back as the All Star race? Is this going to be a points racing cup?" Now that's to be determined. But you got to wonder, you got to think. Okay, they had a great success here. This was years in the making. Never thought I'd see North Wilkesboro on the schedule, Tyler. I was two years old the last time they raced. I don't even think you were born just yet, or maybe maybe in diapers like me. But the fact that North Wilkesboro is back is pretty cool. And I think this. It doesn't really matter what the on track product looked like. I mean, we, we, it was going to be a big variable. Do you repave? Do you not repave? And even Marcus Smith said, you talk to different drivers, they're going to give you different opinions. But aside from what we saw in the All Star race, I mean, we saw good racing. It's a short track. And you put cup cars there with points. That's going to be a good race someday. I think we do see that at some point.
0: David, I would love to see some of these old tracks start to come back. I know Rockingham comes to mind. I know, you know, Texas World Speedway means a lot to you. I don't know how, if that's possible or not, but some of these other tracks, uh, I, I, I hope that this is kind of just the beginning that North Wilkesboro isn't, that this isn't just a one off deal. I hope we find a way to bring back some of these other tracks here.
1: Yeah. I mean, I mean, it's, uh, you know, the sport got so big so fast and it's so popular. Uh, you know, the some of the racetracks, Rockingham, North Wilkesboro, in uh, others, um, you know, unfortunately, the sport got so big and, and needed to go to bigger markets. And when bigger markets opened up uh, for somebody to build a racetrack there, whether it be SMI or NASCAR or whoever, uh, you know, you needed to take advantage of those bigger markets. And they did. And unfortunately, with the way the schedule is, they needed to rob a race from here, from there. And unfortunately. Rockingham was one of them. North Wilkesboro was another. Uh, But man, I love it because I love the way the racing surface is. It's really not about the powerhouse teams that have all the engineering and technology and resources and funding. It kind of puts it back into the driver's hand and a really great setup and really finesse, you know, finesse growing up on these short tracks and Not all of them are perfect. A lot of them, you got tire management. You got to really finesse the throttle, drive the car. And, uh, you know, the harder you drive it, the worse sometimes, the slower you are. Sometimes it's just finesse, get the thing to rotate, and four bite up off the corners. And I love that type of a race. Uh, But, uh, but man, it was uh, just phenomenal for what we saw. Uh, And I think North Wilkesboro you need, uh, there's so many different other series. Now you look at the car series, the super late model car series that Dale Earnhardt Jr., Kevin Harvick, and I think Jeff Burton are are now part owner in. I mean, to be able to go to a facility like North Wilkesboro and race there uh, for Arca Series, the Truck Series, maybe the Xfinity Series, and hey, who knows, maybe we'll see a NASCAR Cup Series points race there in the future, but you know, I think there's a place for North Wolfsboro and a lot of different schedules for different types of racing, and I think that's cool. And, it, and it's kind of cool. Uh, I remember back, I don't remember what year it was, but we ran two or three years at Rockingham. The racetrack, the surface was not, the surface wasn't in good shape, but it was cool to go back and race there. You know what I mean? It was really cool. I think we ran there maybe three race three years, and then... I don't know what happened, but, you know, some management issues. But next thing you know, it wasn't on the schedule again, and I don't really know what's going on there. But it's cool for NASCAR to bring back some of the grassroots racetracks that really helped put our industry, our sport of NASCAR racing on the map. It's sad that the sport really grew and got so big, and we needed to go to bigger, bigger markets, and there were tracks that kind of got left behind. But it's it's really cool and interesting to see them bring those tracks back. You know, I think there's a place for them. And, uh, you know, I think NASCAR, SMI, you know, the different series, they're all figured out. But I think there's room for a lot of them like y'all are talking about. And, man, what a great weekend it was.
2: Oh, certainly so. Certainly so. Throwback to yesterday. Now we need Smoky Mountain Raceway back on the schedule, which was there in the 60s. The old dirt track, Lee Petty won at there's some potential for some other places and you guys know on this show over the last two and a half years the conversations go where they may and we have a lot of fun on the show we talk about our time in nascar we'll look at the races and we we'll also talk about just some stuff of people near and dear to us and you know the last two and a half years we've gotten a lot of support on this show the last two and a half years so many people have reached out to us and and you can tell people are really enjoying what we have to say here Tay tyler and david and one of those guys was Manuel Vasquez, one of my local buddy here in town. He recently passed away, and we were at his funeral on Friday. And and Dave, I think how you talk about a lot how you can experience the highs of the highs and the lowest of the lows in NASCAR, and I think that can just be applied across life too. And you you experience something like that, and you know we're thinking of Manuel. You're in our thoughts and prayers and your family. And then you know later that night, you guys know I work as a high school teacher, and I was the senior class sponsor, so. The principal approaches me and he asked me to speak at graduation. So I think great, perfect opportunity to thank everybody. Kind of thought there like a second. I'm like a NASCAR driver. I got to thank all the sponsors, all the people that made it happen. And as a class sponsor, you're the one responsible for fundraising, putting on prom, getting powder puff, all this stuff, all this stuff. You, everybody sees the final product, but you're helping behind the scenes and got up there on the stage and. You know, I thank you guys, too, in our programs. Tyler, you guys in Studio Soapbox, you guys helped us a lot over the years. David, you guys made some donations and helped the class. So I just want to thank you guys here on the show. And then last week we were talking, too, about branding and going up to, to do with that. So if you're watching the YouTube version, you're watching me. Man, those little doors. Man, there were 10 of us helping with this branding party. And I think you would have asked me. Two years ago, what are you doing this week? And branding would have been in the top 500 of that list. But I got to tell you guys following her from last week's show, it was a great experience. And Tyler, I know you're an urban cowboy. We got to bring those boots out. You got to come up on, the, on the, the ranch this summer. <laughs>
0: uh, hell no. Uh, uh, thanks for the invite anyway. With that said, uh, Dom, uh, tell us about our uh, our guest this week, uh, Brian Newdorf, if you are on social media, you need to be following Brian. Uh you gotta have on notifications on Twitter for this guy because if he's tweeting, something is happening. Uh and uh I mean Dominic, I mean what what a what a story beyond just the tweets. Uh th- this guy is, is is something special.
2: Hey, if you're a NASCAR fan, you have social media and you have tweets enabled. What are you doing if you're not following Brian already? You you might know know his work, but if not, Brian, like Tyler said, is the unofficial, official weatherman of the sport and gives really good insight as to what you might expect and what you might encounter race day, race weekend. And Brian has a really cool connection with Indianapolis, which we're going to get to later in the show. And we were getting uh, our guests scheduled this week. Brian, Tyler told me, Brian's coming on the show. I was like, what, really? Brian's going to be our guest? I was really excited personally, so... Brian, thank you so much for coming on and joining us on Let's Go Racing this week.
3: I would be remiss. Um, I've been radio silent for like the like a good portion of the season. Uh, I switched uh, about four years ago to from television, like some of you refugees from the TV uh, newscast world. Uh-huh. And um, I'm now, I, 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 I work for the weather service. Um, so NASCAR weather is kind of more of a backseat than it used to be. So I would be remiss if I didn't give a big shout out to uh, Aaron Studwell at Race Weather. Um, outstanding. I mean, him and I, you know, we used to be like. Uh, I'm gonna. I know I'm setting myself up when I mentioned DW, but uh, we'll get to that later. Um, <laughs> but they already, they've already threatened that they're gonna talk about it. But um, you know, competition, and then we realized we're better together, helping each other out. And so that's how Race Weather and myself have kind of become a team when it comes to the NASCAR weather. Um, And he does an an amazing job. This is something he does a lot more full-time than I do. So I appreciate all the kind words. I need to be better. I will tell you that. I will absolutely tell you I need to be better with my tweets. Fortunately, this season, with a few exceptions, it's been pretty dry. We've been, you know, we've been fairly lucky. So, um, but uh, thank you. And I wish... Again, the downside about being a shift worker is I missed last weekend and I'm but I'm hearing what all the same thing you guys when I jumped in in here and all the great things I mean I think and we'll get into Indy but you know I think about Indy car and that's where I that was my gateway drug if you will into the sport of racing. While Indian, and in, while the 500 has changed since even when I went and even before that there are certain elements that are the same it's the roots it's that It's what makes the Indy 500 the Indy 500. And so going with all what you guys were saying, NASCAR needs that. The fans need that. You need to blend the old with the new so you don't lose the old, but you can build and get new people to come in here. And I think after what David said, NASCAR getting so big there in the 2000s and stuff like that, it had to finally find its level. It had to find its watery, so to speak. It found its level. And now that we're here, let's capitalize on that and use that to mesh the old with the new people love a retro thing oh yeah so brian
0: let, let's let's start with this kind of a a twofold question how did you get into the meteorology world but also how did you get into the racing world become a racing fan where did the the, the two of those passions
3: come from for you all right i've always loved i so i'm an earth science nerd. Okay. I'm a nerd in general. I have a Lego collection behind me right now. That's, that's mine, (laughs) not my kids. It's mine. (laughs) And, um, so for me, it got into, I have just always liked earth science. Um, I was that kid. I collected rocks. I went to space camp. Now, a lot of meteorologists will tell you that they got into weather because of a particular event. I can't tell you that. Um, I just always liked the earth sciences. So when it came time, I'll even be honest, when I went to, I'm a, I'm a Purdue grad very open about that. So I went to Purdue University and I went as an engineering major. I did the marching band. Again, I'm not really helping my street cred here, but I went to the marching band. (laughs) I'm proud of it. So you can make fun of me all you want. So I did the marching band. Two people stood up and said they were meteorology majors. And I'm like, huh, I can major in that here. And for those of you who don't know either. So so now I'm making my way and the Purdue band ties in with the indie. But for me, the the five hundred and racing has been in the blood for the family. Um, growing up, the five hundred was huge. Now I was too young to go, so I'd always go to my grandmother's. Thankfully, I did. We lived in Terre Haute, Indiana, and wow. it wasn't and it wasn't blacked out there. You could watch it on race day, but if you live anywhere in the indie market, you have to watch the rebroadcast. So, um, I would get to watch the race and listen either on the radio, and so, and then hear the stories. I was too young, my but my grandfather, my mom's dad, was the personal pilot for Tony Holman, and oh, the wow. Holman family. And so, the the story goes: the seats we sit in are the Holman family's old seats before they got the suites on the outside of Turn One. It could be a family life for all I know, but you know what? I'm running with it. Okay,
2: <laughs> I can
3: I. I can confirm, though, that my, my mother had a relationship because or had had a connection with the Holman family. She was a babysitter for Tony George. And I know this because yeah. I was at Watkins Glen when after I'd finally kind of got the NASCAR weatherman thing going and stuff. And I was there for the one of the last car races. And I saw him standing out there and he did not want to see me coming. He was he's very introverted, doesn't like to see people. And I could tell he was just frantic, like, what is this guy going to say to me? And when I mentioned my mother's name, a softness came over him. So he was like, you know, oh, hey, this guy's really, cool. okay, this guy's not asking about the sport. He just wants to say hi. Same wing with uh, Johnny Rutherford. Uh, I got to meet him one time, and I mentioned my grandfather. So there is a connection. So through that, and then and then I was dating my wife whose family was into NASCAR, and I liked it. Uh, I got to go to, um, when NASCAR came in 94 to the brickyard or to the ND- IMS, that's when I started to kind of at least pay attention Jeff Gordon wins. You know, he has that connection to both California and Indiana. They, they hyped it up when he was uh, here. So, and then of course, Ryan Newman is a Purdue grad, uh, Tony Stewart. I mean, uh, people always talk about one of the things Absolutely. as an Indy, as an Indy fan, everybody talks about how, you know, nobody makes the transition from Indy to NASCAR, but they always forget Tony. OK, they yeah. always forget Tony. He won championships. Granted, it was the IR, you know, IR, that horrible split and that crap. But still, Tony was a champion. And my little claim to fame, one of the things that's still the highlight to my day, Tony Stewart called me a jackass at uh, Indianapolis Motor Speedway. <laughs> <laughs> I said I officially made NASCAR media that day. If it comes to me no i think tony's great uh columbus i'm from martinsville indiana which is not too far away from columbus um it was a raining uh, i got to go as like the social media garage and it was raining on a friday and i said who i was and he goes way to go jackass so um <laughs> i i thought that was great so again so they're all merging together my my adhd brain whether i've always had an interest tv kind of just came about because i like to talk um, and then the, now the, the what, racing was in my blood, it's just been family. And then it, when it, you know, NASCAR got on my map when, you know, I almost said on the radar, no pun. I didn't want to go that route, but NASCAR, when it hit in 94 and then I was my, my wife now, his, her family was, they like they like Dale Earnhardt and they liked some of that stuff. So I, the first race I really, really remember watching was sadly the one where we lost, uh, senior. And you know, and that's about the height of the, of it all coming in. And then NASCAR, then basically I would say 20, 2008, Twitter's in its infancy. The, NASH, the NASCAR was one of the first to use the hashtag. And so I was kind of following along and I just morphed my fandom with being a meteorologist. And from there, I mean, it's a story, but from there, that's how the NASCAR weatherman took off. Uh, was just this guy, a fan, like all of you, wanting to give accurate, Weather information to other fans because I didn't think the broadcast was doing that. How about that. Cool.
0: What was the uh, what was the first race that you remember uh, covering a uh, rain
3: situation of sorts? There, a Pocono race, I think. I swear, it was it had to be like the because and back then on the schedule it wasn't like Pocono like they went to Pocono and then they like did two tracks and then they went back to Pocono or something like that. So I don't remember which one of those it was. But yeah, it was like a Pocono race. And it, of course, that's when all the rain jokes come in. Um, and I was watching and they were talking. And then, you know, Larry Mack loves weather. And I mean, pilots love weather. And so you have this people who it's very important. But at the time, again, they wouldn't show the radar. Or if they did, they weren't going to say, oh, we expect rain by this time. And as a broadcast guy who loves the sport, I'm like, hell, let's uh, put a radar up and say, hey, it's this far out. It's moving at this speed. It should be there about this time. And I started doing that. And then with the help of Jeff Gluck, I started doing forecasts. But really, the my big moment was I called the Monday night Daytona race. Oh, um,
2: first time in history NASCAR has the 500 run the next day.
3: I said it didn't look good. Now, I was early on saying we looked good for the race, but then that Wednesday came. I still remember that week. And I was like, oh, this doesn't look good. And even Aaron, Aaron and I were cooperating right at that point. We, we finally started talking. But I um, was watching and then once it rained out, I was looking at new data and I went on Twitter and I said, I don't think we're going to get this. We'll have to wait till Monday night. And I even had colleagues who were like, "Your gut's pretty bold. Why are you doing that? Why are you saying that? I'm like, because it doesn't look good. I don't, th- I don't see us racing until Monday night. I stuck with my guns that's what I really thought and you know I will get them wrong don't get me wrong I mean I I'm wrong sometimes Daytona I'm wrong a lot Daytona has humbled me on so many occasions it's not even funny um I have been called a lot of bad things on Twitter because of a Daytona forecast um but again I that was my claim that's also you know the one point the one the, the Montoya's big uh, explosion with the uh, right.
0: the jet truck
3: the jet gyre incident, but still I got that. And that's what kind of put me on the map. But um I just, I did this as a fan for other fans. And that's still to this day, I'm a NASCAR fan who happens to be a meteorologist doing all this so that other NASCAR fans can be informed Um, because it's, it's, it's expensive. And, and honestly, I just want fans to go and have a good time because if they have a good time, they're going to go back to a racetrack.
0: That's true. That is that is that, Dominic, uh, You you and I are both both TV guys here, and, and and seeing Brian's background and everything and and what he does here, I I know that you know he might get some hate from some people or or whatnot you know and and maybe those on the inside too. I I won't name names or anything, but. But, but Don, what Don, what he's doing at the end of the day is a big service to the fans of the sport. Oh,
2: he is. He is. He's doing God's work, man. You really you look at what meteorologists do and you're just seeing the final product. When you're watching your local newscast, you're watching that 10 o'clock news or the six o'clock news, whatever newscast you're watching, weather comes in, those weather those those weather points of the the, the broadcast, they're put strategically. They tease weather in the first few minutes and then weather gets its whole three, four-minute bit midway because that's how they continue to hook people that affects everybody maybe certain news stories don't affect people but the weather certainly does you're going to go outside at some point you're going to experience sunshine or wind or rain or snow or whatever element you might be facing and tyler i think most of the time meteorologists do a really really good job as far as being accurate but it's only those one or two or three times where they weren't completely accurate that they take all the flack and they take all the hate for but nobody's calling to complain. Hey. It was seventy-seven degrees, not seventy-eight degrees. Like the leathermen and women who do the job, who who do the science behind it. There's a lot of prep that goes into doing what these right. guys do. And, like yeah.
0: it's it's a sad reality, Brian. You're probably not getting too many thank yous when uh, when you predict, predict that the race will actually get in and will get concluded in time.
3: People have gotten better. You know, NASCAR fans are great. They have been some of my longtime followers. They've been there since day one. And they're still really active with me and my family. So I'm, I'm gonna be honest, of all the places I've lived, generally speaking, the NASCAR fandom is really, really good, really supportive, really loyal. Uh when people have gone after me. Now I stopped. Used well, I used to be that I used
1: unstable. to.
3: Oh, it is. I'm sorry. Oh,
1: oh. oh no, I He's used fine. oh
3: I had that, cool. I had that too earlier. But anyway, um I am. Um... I uh, had a situation you know I I used to badly would like retweet the negative comments and then people would pi- pile on them. I realized that was not good so I stopped doing that. Um because everybody's entitled to their opinion and I just laugh it off. I mean you have to w- with being the, the the in the in this industry and stuff. Trust me, I can tell you right now and I can speak for Aaron on this one as well at Race Weather. We don't want to put rain in a forecast on a race weekend at all. Trust me. I would rather, I would much rather watch racing than a radar, okay? Um, I would much rather watch it. My wife would, and plus I can have free time. I mean, I've literally been with my wife on my phone looking at radars going, hold on, hon, I gotta update NASCAR real quick. And, you know, we've had to put things on pause while dad, you know, makes a comment and stuff like that. So I've been, I've been doing these on vacation with my phone and all that stuff. Um, so... Uh, that's how dedicated, and and I wanted to make sure fans had that experience because, and then you're there. Uh, I mean, I want to get to more racetracks, but NASCAR fans have always been the best. Um, but yeah, we don't make the garbage; we just drive the truck. And trust me, we don't want uh, bad weather. I mean, I've been there. I've my first NASCAR race was at Watkins Glen. And I told you guys it got washed out until Monday. The biggest irony there. So I have had to go and wait, uh, and wait out a delay. I've been on. I've been to a Tuesday. Indy 500, okay? Uh, so I've done that. Um, I've uh, I've had my share, and I, I, I know the expense of that. I'm looking out for the fan because I want the fan to have a good experience because I want NASCAR to be successful. Right. If, you know, you spend all that money, and you don't want to be cold and wet all day.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. David, uh, from your vantage point as a racer, when you get these rain delays coming in, what are you doing between the delay and when the race resumes, are you, are you checking guys? Like, I know you're a big local news guy. You, you watch the news about every night. Uh, are you, are you following what the the weather people are saying? Are you just kind of hanging around waiting for NASCAR to say something? What do you do to kill the time during a rain delay, David?
1: Man, a lot of times I just spend, you know, talk to my crew chief about, about the race car, what's going on with the car. Uh, I have a chance to talk to my spotter to kind of see, the leaders where they're where they're running at you know you're just kind of gathering factual information on the race you know what I mean and uh for for me it's always you know it, it's a time to capitalize on information you know that, that that will benefit uh maybe the outcome of the race force you know but but you know I, I want to say just listening to Brian talk you know he Ryan, you and Aaron, I, I think uh, it's cool to have guys like yourself, the weather, the, the NASCAR weathermen, uh, passionate about what you guys do and what you know. Uh, you know, I really don't focus too much on the weather uh, because we can't control it. I'm going to go there, and I know I'm going to race, and I might not race Saturday afternoon or Saturday night, but I know it might be Sunday or Monday, but I know by the time I get back to Texas, I'm, I'm going to have run a race. You know, we can't control the weather. But I think I really appreciate uh, what you and Aaron bring to the table, not only for the fans, the competitors, the team members, the sponsors. It's good to know what the possibilities are, you know, to kind of understand uh, what you're in for. you know. If you, you know, it's just, you know, you can plan, plan, plan. And sometimes the weather throws a little bit of a, you know, a, a twist in there for us, you know, but it's good to know what the day is going to, how the day is going to play out for you weather-wise, you know, and, and uh, you know, it's always, always glance at the weather, maybe the day before we practice, the day before I leave to head to a race, the day of the race, just, just to understand what the possibilities are, and I, and, you know, I know, Brian, you're saying, you know, they love you or I hate you, but really, it's cool that that somebody's passionate about the possibilities of what the day is going to turn into, what it's going to look like, and and man, I I really appreciate that, and uh, it's good to have like you and Aaron for the drivers and the team, somebody that we we that we can get the information from, you know. And sometimes it's you know it's hard to get that information, but you're honest, you're to the point, and and I think people appreciate that, whether they. You know, they fault you or not, you know, and again, uh, it's not you can't control what's going to happen. And, you know, the weather wise, but, you know, uh, but I know a lot of people appreciate uh, your passion for the weather. And then and then hearing your story, uh, you were talking earlier about your, your roots and going to Purdue and being a band member. I think it's awesome because it led you back to where you're at today uh, and, and your grandfather uh, being a pilot for the Holman, uh, you know, uh, Holman family is incredible. That's incredible. They, they brought so much to auto racing in America, uh, the Indianapolis 500, IndyCar racing itself, uh, Tony George and, and NASCAR bringing the Brickyard 400 to, to Indianapolis was just for me to be able to go to Indianapolis and race as many a times as I have and we'll be, we'll, we'll do more in the future, uh, running at the famous Indianapolis Motor Speedway is just so iconic, you, it's amazing, you pinch yourself, because you can't believe it's happening, you know, and, and the roots where you come from, and, and, uh, you know, it's kind of cool to, to hear your story, and to hear what, you know, your racing story, and, and, or you kind of, you know how you became the nascar weather guy you know what i mean it's just it's just cool you know and that's one thing about dominic and and tyler and myself all our different guests it's always cool to learn it's like man how did you get from you know growing up in indiana to being the the nascar weatherman you know what i mean and and uh, and to hear people's stories really intriguing and very interesting you know what i mean but but knowing that your grandfather was the was the freaking pilot for the home, you know, for Tony Holman. I mean, I mean, who would ever thought that, man? That's really cool roots you come from, you know? So pretty neat deal, man. It's cool hearing your story.
3: Well, thank you so much, and thank you for having me on. I mean, people don't know that, and I mean, I can tell you too, I didn't look like the NASCAR fan. I didn't look like the racing fan. So when I was this, and people noticed, they're like, you're a NASCAR? Because some people either – you either, I, I, you know, there are people who are fans and there are people who are like, just don't get it, all right? They just don't understand. But, yeah, I say give it a try, you know? Like, unfortunately, when I talk about having a good time at the track, my mother loves racing. In fact, her, my grandfather got her and my uncle, at, at least when they were young, and, like, quarter midgets and, you know, some of the what the younger the, they did when they were kids— and you know she went to a nascar race she went to the brickyard unfortunately it was the good year that tire debacle the, the yeah. bad tire, and she won't go back to one um unfortunately another thing so you talked about uh i learned quickly too that I, I i joke uh but uh i got um slugger lady uh who i said always i always, always make sure but slugger he be he found me and he was like apparently follow me during a race because he was talked about somebody asked him like why did you keep Paul out They're like they were like well he said the weather guy on Twitter said it was going <laughs> to rain and if uh he said so I wanted uh, to keep him out of it because he said if it's going to rain if that's the race and sure enough that's why he made a decision I joked with I, I keep joking with him I'm like dude I haven't seen a cut from that yet
1: so, <laughs> well but, you'd be surprised that people that that really tune into you and follow you Twitter to to to, to have that Information on how how the, the next hour or two or how the day is going to play out. You know, I think it's I think it's uh, you know I don't know if you really understand how much you're appreciated and uh, and the passion you have for racing and the passion you have to report, no matter if it's if it's pretty ugly, you know if if, if you just you, you're stating the facts and it's real. And uh, you know, you don't want to give fake news out there.
3: And, and I think people <laughs> appreciate that, you know, so, yeah. Unfortunately, yeah, unfortunately, you know, at the end of the day, as a meteorologist, as a driver, you're, you're whether you're a really good driver, your, 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 your wins are what determines, good or bad, determines how great of a race car driver you are. So for a meteorologist, it's how accurate you are, okay? That's what I have. At the end of the day, it's my accuracy. And so while I understand NASCAR as a sport would love for me to tell fans all the time that it's going to be great weather and that they should go no matter what, I just can't do that for myself. And I can't do that for the fans. I have been dinged by NASCAR. Um, there's words out that uh, there are some lists that are tend to be black uh, that my name's on. Um, so, you know, and all I did was get a forecast right. So NASCAR, I'm sorry for that. I mean, you're not going to find a bigger supporter of the sport and promoter of the sport still than myself because it's a fun family sport that you can take and spend the weekend and the day and um you know at the end of the day again why do I do this now especially since I'm not even really because of what I do now with my new job outside of television I can't do I'm not I'm doing this is all for free it's a hobby it's like this (laughs) it's like it's like this behind me Mm -hmm. I can't make a cent I can't do anything from it but I still do it because I care about the people who have followed me. I care about the sport and, you know, I want to help out. And it, it just gives me something to do. And it keeps that connection with the the sport and the fans. And then that's why I'm a, I'm a fan myself. This is, I've never lost sight of the fact that myself and Aaron, we are fans who do weather for other NASCAR fans. And that's who at the, ultimately at the end of the day, who we're trying to reach. And that's why we do this in the first place. It's not for the drivers. It's not for NASCAR. It's not for the teams. You know, at the end of the day, it's a matter of just making sure everybody has a good time, stays safe, and has a because they we wanted to go back and i under, I've had people I had people this is just a story about how the fans are, and they're really good to you. if you've ever DM'd me and I don't respond, I'm sorry on bad big weekends, I just can't respond to everybody. I can't give private forecasts. It's just too many of you to do that. But some will be like, hey, listen, you know, I can only go to, I can I can make it Monday, I can make it Sunday. What do you think? And I'll say, well, I can't tell you what to do. And I will never tell anybody what to do. I, and I say, get, you know, tune into the local. I mean, if you live someplace, check out the local TV Mets in that area that, uh, that the race is going. You know, Brad Panovich in Charlotte. I, he's a good friend of mine, so I will plug him this weekend. But anybody at a big track, any place in Dallas, if you've got a favorite Dallas, check all the stations. Check the weather service. Check, get as much information as you possibly can and then make an informed decision. But I'll typically say, listen, and I told you guys this, I learned very quickly, if you go to a NASCAR weekend, make Monday plans, okay? Be, you know, make plans for Monday. Stay, you know, it's easier to cancel a reservation than it is to make one at the last minute. Anybody who's been there knows that firsthand. Um, well, that's take- coverage
0: you can count on. <laughs> yeah.
3: Well, I, I, I
1: know Dominic, Tyler, myself, and... and- we, we appreciate your passion and what you do. So thank you. You know what I mean? And um, w- another question is kind of interesting. It's happened a lot. You know, uh, a lot of times we see what you guys are saying. We, we look at the, the local weather forecast. You know, we watch news. And it's always interesting when they say 70% chance of rain or 50 or whatever that may be and it's kind of interesting because a lot of times it's supposed to be raining but it doesn't rain you know and then a lot of times when it's like you know there's a 20 percent chance of rain well hell every day is a 20 percent chance of rain and and you know it doesn't rain 15 percent, 20 no big deal and hell it's like man it rains all day long you know what I mean sometimes it's like man I I uh I'm just glad that Uh, Brian, you and Aaron, I'm glad I don't have y'all's job because, man, sometimes you like you can pull your hair out because it's like, man, it's supposed to be raining right now and it's not.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So what's funny about David bringing that up, I was laughing as you said this, David, because I asked Brian before we went on air. I've heard different definitions of what is seventy percent chance of rain. Is it seventy percent that's going to happen, or seventy percent of the area? And uh, sure enough, that's what David's kind of asking here. So, so Brian, what is the answer here
3: for the folks at home? All right. So, if you've ever fo- if you do follow me, and some of you do, you'll know I never put percent chance of rain on my tweets ever. I coined the odds of racing. Okay. I, I boiled everything down to our confidence and Aaron uses this too. And we'll have discussions on which odds of racing we will go with. Sometimes there's been funny situations. I think the first Daytona race, he was like, let's go 90. I'm like, uh, let's go 80. So we went 85. (laughs) Um, I was like, I've been burned too many times, but you know, I, I, I thought fans gravitated to what our confidence are. And then, then I've gotten so good that sometimes I'll break it down. Like, okay, Odds of racing, what does that mean? Well, we'll race. Then I'll break it down. What are the odds of us getting to halfway? What are the odds of us actually finishing the full distance? So outside of the non-weather factors that I can't predict, so I'll try my best. And that kind of seemed to have caught on. In fact, AccuWeather, a, a guy on AccuWeather started using my odds of racing uh, as well. But to go back to your point, I, and, I, and they are confusing, though, the percent chance. But now that I'm with uh, the weather service, we use those percent chances. The best thing I can tell you is, think of this in more terms of like, especially when you guys live in Texas, or if you live in Florida, you get those hit hit or miss type showers, the scattered type stuff. That means the environment's good for rain, but doesn't mean everybody's gonna get it. I was telling uh, Tyler this. On a day where you've got that 20, 30, maybe 40, but definitely 20 and 30, imagine if you will, um, you've got a bunch of popcorn kernels in a pan and it's heated evenly, now your job is to predict which of those kernels in order are going to pop and where That's your 20 to 30 percent chance of rain. Now you know and it generally means it generally means and, and typically for us at the weather service we go by a grid spacing. it's two by two kilometers. so we think in that situation that that location, that specific grid point has that kind of percentage of seeing precipitation of some sort at that particular time. That's the other thing at that time. So when you see like an app and it says 70% chance of rain, they may have thought it was, and it may have rained seven o'clock in the morning and you may be like, but the rest of the day is nice. Sometimes those apps don't differentiate between that. The weather service has gotten better. Our website looks like, you know, is it definitely needs some overhaul, but there's some good stuff on there, especially when you break things down. Um, but the general idea is, um, you know, and they're getting better at saying like, it's going to be at this window and then it gets better throughout the day. So that's the key thing you need to see what time of day, but it typically is like we, how much we think it's going to rain at that particular, uh, time, but like some broad forecasts, will say 70% and it could have been like the eight o'clock hour and then it decreases, or it could be later in the day, but it took the whole day and just took the highest point and said, okay, 70% chance of rain. I, I know it's confusing. Um, you could even probably ask a lot of different meteorologists and they would give you different answers. Um, some would some would say back when I was being taught, it was like based on history, like seven out of 10 times in this situation, we see rain. That's what I was first taught. But generally it's based on our confidence and how much we think of rain. Like you'll see the the number go up as a cold front gets closer. <laughs> like if we see a lot, we know a big, we know it's going to rain all day. We're pretty good with those. It's those pop-up sh- showers and thunderstorms, the scattered variety that, that ding us because it's just really hard sometimes to know when it's going to hit your house. And that's the most important part. When's it going to hit my house? Um, right. Or when's that's, it going to hit the track?
1: That's why we're glad we don't have your job, dude.
3: <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah, I, I I did not go to meteorology. Dominic did not either. We, we worked in TV news, but we stayed away, left it up to you guys. I got a couple more things for you, and then uh, we'll yeah. move on to uh, some headlines, some just notes in the sport. But first off, uh, Brian, how are we looking for this weekend? I know that, uh, unfortunately, over the years, we've seen some of these Indy 500s pushed around, delayed, raced on Monday, Tuesday in the past. How are we looking for Indy or Charlotte, Monaco and all that? What's the uh, likelihood that we get all these races in?
3: I'll give you two out of three. I don't do Monaco. I just don't. I haven't. <laughs> no, I just don't. I don't have time and I haven't done it yet. And I'm not going to start. Once that opens that door, I have to keep doing it. Um, for, well, here in the Midwest, in the Ohio Valley. So here, this is like my backyard and I'm going. and I'm thrilled because I am not. Unfortunately, I said make a Monday plan. I I have one. It's called I have to work on Monday. So um, <laughs> I'm I'm happy to say that we like to say big bubble, no trouble. We've got high pressure. It looks dry. So, and it's not going to be hot. We're talking like sunscreen, 80 degrees for the Indianapolis, the greatest spectacle in racing, the Indianapolis 500. Um, Again, I'm biased, but uh, it looks good. Now, we will turn our attention. This is a NASCAR uh, podcast. We've got a system we're going to watch. This one's tough. Uh, So don't kill the weatherman on a Tuesday, okay? Okay. Out And I'll be honest too, this far out, I tend to be more negative to try to give people that idea that they need to start thinking ahead and planning. So just take it with what it is. There is indications uh, that something may come off the Atlantic, come up the Florida coast. It's not necessarily tropical, but something forms and moves it, and then it's going to come towards the Carolina, South Carolina, North Carolina. There's differences on timing, so there's no agreement in the forecast models. And this was just me looking briefly. So the weather service there locally has like a 30 percent. I could I would maybe go a bit higher. I'd say 40 sounds good. The timing is going to be an issue. If it's through faster, Sunday, the 600, since it's later in the day, should be okay. If it's slower, then we would have problems. Now, I think Saturday looks wet for some of the stuff there on Saturday, so just keep that in mind, but I would start now thinking about a rain, a rain strategic plan, but I do think it's better. With the fact that it's a later race that goes into the evening, so with that said, I think the odds of racing are still higher. I would say it just in my safe first gut instinct, seventy percent odds of racing for uh, the Coke 600 Sunday Saturday's a little less because that right now looks like the bullseye for rain. So, and then depending on timing, Friday could be a little iffy. If so, that's how I see that race weekend. Wait, uh, race weekend for uh charlotte so that's the one we will be watching um carefully uh indy i get to i get to sit back and enjoy that's what i get to do
0: i like it last thing then we'll move on to news and notes the question that everybody's been waiting for um (laughs) what do you make of dw's vortex theory
3: (laughs) you know to those who you want if you like it and you believe it by all means go for it okay um you know i don't like to throw around well, cuz some of us are former broadcast people so i don't like to throw around the term fake news um but yeah that's fake news um <laughs> from, a, from a from a science standpoint it doesn't work okay a bunch of a bunch of cars going counterclockwise causing heat to go into the air to cause lift all of that is what a tropical storm does to form okay So it would actually, by definition, form bad weather, not good weather. And all the examples they like to give are Bristol and Martinsville. And keep in mind, these are tracks that are inside of basically surrounded by terrain. It's typically terrain that has driven those situations. And if these were always true, why do races get stopped by rain? (laughs) You could... You can tweet me at NASCAR underscore <laughs> and feel free to disagree with me. Listen, I love everybody who has their theories. I mean, you know, play, people know their weather. Every place I've lived, this has been the term. If you don't like the weather, just wait 10 minutes. If you say that where you live, you aren't the only ones. In fact, I think they say that in San Diego and it never changes in San Diego, but they probably say it and probably in New Mexico. You probably say it too. And it doesn't change there. Or um, just
2: one day over here.
3: <laughs> yeah, I mean the same thing in twin. It was like we had like fire season and then it overlapped with some other seasons and it was pretty dry over there in Idaho where I was when I was in television. But um listen, you know what it's fun and I've I've learned to laugh. I think the one thing I get the one thing that probably makes me more mad than the vortex there, and it doesn't make me mad, is people sending me their send me sending me their 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 screenshots of their weather app and says, but my app says this. <laughs> Okay, then use that. I'm like, I I I don't comment. It's like, thanks. It's like, I mean, could you imagine your doctor? And I know people do this. I've actually asked doctors this. But could you imagine? You know, you bring in your WebMD printout to your doctor and go. The doctor <laughs> tells you it's this, and then you bring that. But 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 WebMD says it's this. That's the same thing. <laughs> that literally is the same thing. But <laughs> um, vortex theory? No, listen. I think DW's, you know, he's he's a personality. Love him or hate him. You know, the guy like you were talking about, David, he loves the sport. He wants to see the sport do amazing. I think, I mean, all these drivers do. I, I love, I'm, I've gotten a chance. I didn't get to meet, uh, I've never met Brad Keselowski. I would. Uh, so for me, real quick, I know you didn't ask this question, but for me, t- uh, Jeff Gordon was my driver for a long time. That's the 94 Brickyard. That's what kind of got my door open, the Indy the connection. I like Tony. Um, I, you know, I cheered on, uh, those connections, but, um, now I, I really like Kozlowski. Um, I've gotten to know different people who have been a part of his team and, you know, um, the guy does care about the sport and wants to see it left better, uh, than he found it and stuff like that. So, you know, but I like, I mean, people ask me, oh, who's your favorite driver now? I really like, I like them all. And I'm, I, The newer drivers, I like the, I mean, it's, I'm old now because guys who, when I started paying attention to the sport in my twenties and late in teens are retiring. So now I'm officially feeling old. Um, But it's good for the sport. It's great to see some of these things and I'm looking forward to the headlines and stuff like that. I did catch up. I do know the. I do know some of the stuff that's going on. So if you want me to jump in, I can. Yes,
0: yes, we will. And uh, that's a great transition for our uh, NASCAR news and notes segment for the uh, latest headlines Happening in the sports this week, Dominic, take us away. Well, we talked
2: about it at the top of the show, but of course,
0: this deserves
2: and needs a closer look. After the North Wilkesboro All Star Race, 27 years in the making of return to the North Carolina track, Marcus Smith, the president or the CEO rather of Speedway Motorsports, hosted a press conference after the race. And in that press conference, he didn't commit to saying what North Wilkesboro's future is going to be on the NASCAR schedule, but Brian, David Tyler, it looks like it might be here to stay. He said it, it's very exciting to see the the buzz around it. It's like walking into a museum is how he quoted as saying it. And it will be a shame if this track is not back on the schedule. I imagine at the very, very least, David, we see this track back as the all-star host in
0: 2024. Yeah. Um, I think there's a very good chance uh, that happens. Uh, what, what do you think, Brian? What's
3: uh... – what would you make in North Wilkesboro and its future possibly returning here? Well, I'm gonna I'm coming from a place of disadvantage because I didn't watch. Again, I was asleep. Right. Um, or at least I was getting ready for work because I was I worked at a ten o'clock to seven a.m. shift that night. But from everything I'm hearing, the only thing I worry, and this is I'm gonna play devil's advocate here will the newness of that return wear off if it were to be put back on the schedule for a regular basis? I do like the idea sometimes that NASCAR does its best to mix things up because some of those mile-and-a-half tracks are a lot of the same, from Kansas to different things, and it can get – that was some of the problems, uh, you know, going back five years ago. So, And it sounds like everybody loved it. But, you know, it sounds like a lot of this right now, we're living off of the nostalgic high of returning. What happens three years from now? Or four years from now. Will it need to make the upgrades? Will it still capture that same magic uh as the same? I'm I'm fairly new to all this, and I hope something like that would and definitely play up to that nostalgic aspect uh with the return each time. Or as you guys mentioned at the top of the show, find ways to bring some of these other, you know, roots of aspects of this track or, or, or of NASCAR to the, to to the main series some way, somehow to keep connected to where you came from.
0: Well, and and we were talking on last week's show, Dom, about the TV ratings, how that with the lack of seats, only 30,000, this was a made for TV event, but ratings are actually a little bit down from last year's snooze fest at Texas Motor Speedway. So, um, so much for that being a made for TV event uh, that, the numbers were were actually down even from Texas last year. With 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 what Brian's alluding to, David, let me ask you: What do you think is there is there staying power with this North Wilkesboro thing, or uh, do you think that nostalgia eventually could wear off here? What what do they have to do, you think, to continue to make this successful?
1: Well, you know, my hat's always off to NASCAR because they really. They're really studying, trying to give the fans what the fans want. And I, I the nostalgia of North Wilkes World, the excitement, the history, and man, all that was over the top. That was a huge success. Uh, I think the format of the All Star race, I think there could have been a little bit better format to make it a little bit more, uh, uh I want to say the word exciting, you know. Um yeah. uh, I, I just from hearing from a lot of friends and race fans uh the last couple of days, really the last yesterday and part of today, the common the common um uh, conversation, what I'm hearing was it was a little boring for them. You know what I mean? So uh uh, I, and I think that's probably from the format standpoint, and when I say that, it was a 200-lap race, but, you know, in years past, it was a 50-lap race, and it was a 30-lap race, and it was the last 10 laps or something, you know, uh, so I think people, what I'm hearing from people, they would like to see maybe the format different, you know what I mean, and I I can appreciate, and I, and I tell you, I'm uh, NASCAR does a great job of of, of of making the right changes to to bring the enthusiasm excitement into the the you know the all-star million dollar race you know uh but I but what I'm hearing from people from watching Sunday's race was uh they they would, have, would have rather seen a different format for it you know what I mean so you know I don't know uh, you know, uh, you know, be I, I don't, I don't know. You know, I don't know if they're going to keep the All Star Race there at North Wilkesboro. They're going to move it around. Uh, you know, I, I really don't know what's really best. Uh, you know, it seemed like years passed. They really kept it at the Charlotte Motor Speedway forever, and then they started moving it around to other racetracks. You know, and uh, I don't know. You know, I'm, I'm not really in that that side of the industry, but my opinion is that they move it around to different tracks, you know what I mean? Uh, if they keep moving it, you might as well keep moving it around to different tracks. I'm not real sure if uh, if anybody's really just set on one t- racetrack, you know. Uh,
0: they right. Kind of well, cool. along you know, those same uh, lines, uh, David, what you're talking about there, Dominic, uh, I, was, I was reading an interesting point here. What's different now in the scheduling format to years prior is that No ownership group, no track is contracted in for a set number of races. You are not guaranteed, no one, not even Daytona, technically speaking, to hold a race that very next year, that everything is year by year, the number of races, uh, the ownership groups, all of that. And so I I would guess just based on tradition, SMI holds on to the all-star race, but if you're SMI, you got to be evaluating all your options year to year beyond just North Wilkesboro, uh, and, and they've been doing that here. Yeah,
3: you,
2: maybe you, and I were having this conversation off air at some point, but got talking about what does that look like? How many tracks or how many couple weekends are owned by NASCAR? How many are owned by SMI? But that's fascinating to hear that it's not necessarily set in stone. And you're right, tradition. I think NASCAR likes to try to honor that and try to keep some things, but we know they're they're bound to shake things up and. And there's no telling how this schedule is going to look even next year, let alone 5, 10 years from now.
0: Right, and maybe they're, they can work out a trade of some sorts, potentially. Um, you know, there, there's all sorts of things you could uh, potentially do as far as that goes. Don, what else we got going There is some
2: local news out of my backyard in New Mexico that's making some national headlines on the racing scene. The Unser Racing Museum, which has been a staple in Albuquerque, New Mexico for the last 18 years, one by the Unser family, is packing up shop and actually moving to one of your old neck of the woods there in Nebraska, Tyler. The Unser Racing Museum, which is on the Albuquerque west side of town, will be closing May 30th to be part of a larger international racing museum. And I, I got to say, guys, it's a cool museum. It's got the racing simulators. You can go around Indianapolis and it, it's really cool. It's a shame that we're going to have a piece of motorsports moving from New Mexico to another part of the country.
0: I'll be honest, as somebody that lived in Nebraska, I don't don't know why this is happening. This doesn't necessarily make sense. There's not much market for racing in uh, Nebraska. But nonetheless, uh, David, hope that they find a way to continue to carry on the uh, the Unser legacy one way or the other, whether it's New Mexico or Nebraska or wherever it may be.
1: Kind of interesting because the Unser name, when you hear the Unser name, you think about Albuquerque. And uh, recently, just going through Albuquerque, uh, the timing wasn't right, but I was going to ask Dominic, we were going to go over to the Unser Museum, but it's kind of cool because when you're traveling through the city there, uh, there's Unser Boulevard, you know what I mean? I think that's really cool that there's a, a Unser, there's a major street boulevard named after the Unser family, and to have the Unser Museum there, I think it's just fitting, I'm, I'm really surprised to hear this news that they would be moving the Uncher museum to nebraska i mean i don't know what's i mean again there's you know not knowing anything about it you know you for me and i i'm sure for you guys i don't know why you would be moving it to anywhere you know i think it's a perfect place where it's at you know where the Unchers come from and and uh you know they've really put uh, Albuquerque, and New Mexico, on the over on the map over the years from a, from a racing standpoint. You
2: know, no, they certainly have. You you talk about pride of New Mexico. We don't have pro sports teams here. Everybody backs the UNM Lobos and Lobo basketball and Lobo football. But not too far behind that conversation was Team Gallus and the Unser Racing family. Al Unser or Al Unser being a four-time Indianapolis 500 winner made some select NASCAR starts on road courses. And his son, Al Unser, Jr., is the last New Mexican to race in the Daytona 500, running that one-off number 46 car for Rick Hendrick Motorsports in 1993. A lot of pride with the Unser's here. And and I do have some more information on it. It's going to be part of this larger museum in Lincoln, Nebraska, called the Speedway Motors Museum. Somewhat of a merger, but, again, really sad to see this piece of history being uprooted from New Mexico.
0: Uh, Brian, we mentioned you being an Indianapolis guy and everything. Uh this weekend, Indy 500, uh, when you talk about the greats, you can't talk about Indy without the Unser family.
3: Not at all. I mean, I remember, I was at the uh, that close finish. It was one of the coldest freaking races I've ever been at. That's the one takeaway <laughs> I have with that one. Um, and I wasn't even in my normal speeds. I was on the front straightaway on the inside part. But yeah, that closest finish, you know, I remember, you know, just, yeah, the Unser's is our name uh, with synonymous with that. Same with uh, Andretti. Now for me, I told you, I told you Jeff Gordon was my NASCAR driver. Rick Mears was my, uh, Rick Mears was my IndyCar driver. Uh, but still, yeah, I mean, that's a, that's a name I means the, the, the big story was a Ray Hall was bumped. You know, that's, that was, I remember, I remember when Ray, his dad was bumped, uh, didn't make the show, didn't make the big race one year. So um, those are big deals in Indiana, Indiana, when those big names aren't represented uh, in the track, whether it's the, the, the big name or it's a legacy.
1: Yeah, man, I was really—I don't know if you guys tuned in, but man, Sunday afternoon when uh, Graham Rahal and and two of his other teammates, there were there were three of their four cars. The the girl had already made it in. I forgot her name. You y'all help me out. What's the girl's name? That um, I just saw it on the billboard. What's that? Uh, I said
3: I I said I just saw it on the side of the track, and I can't. Yeah, uh, but she in fact
1: she ended up having a wreck. I think yesterday or today. Yeah. uh but uh she she made it into Phil solidly but their other three cars um uh, it was kind of interesting uh trying to remember the the driver's name uh, the way the drama played out uh Sunday afternoon uh the clock was ticking down the last 30 minutes uh and uh the driver drives the number 30 car for Bobby Ray Hall Letterman uh uh, uh L- uh Legaman, uh I-, I don't know how you say it. what is it. Uh, Ray Hall, Le- 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 Letterman. 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 Letterman, Letterman, Letterman. Yeah, yeah. Uh, there's another guy's name we're messing out, but uh, 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 the guy that he he made two runs, and I think he made the second to the last run with about ten minutes to go. And uh he was it looked like to me he was a little tight in the corners and he had barely messed it. I think he whatever the time he was like just a tenth and a half off. And man, they pulled down pit road. He was on the radio with his crew chief engineer, and uh man, they were talking about changes and they said, Hey, let's make a couple of chassis change and let's make another run. Graham Ray Hall was sitting in his car. And, man, it was only like five minutes left, and they took off. Uh, And I'm trying to remember the driver's name. Uh, But it was amazing that this guy made three qualifying runs within the last 20, 25 minutes of the time running out to qualify for the Indianapolis 500. And uh, he pulled off pit road with – about a minute, 10 seconds left on the clock. And, dude, those adjustments that the engineer or the crew chief made, it was unbelievable. The time ran out. He had one more, two more laps to go. Uh, they He had to be off pit road attempting his qualifying run before the time went out for the time expired. And he did. And uh Manny bumped uh, uh Graham Ray Hall out of the race, which is his teammate, you know, and uh I and mean, it was crazy the drama they were showing Bobby Ray Hall, Graham's dad. And it was it was amazing. And and man, the the uh uh the the sportsmanship uh, these, all these guys are class acts. Graham Ray Hall he congratulated his teammate. I mean, everybody was just, i tell you what, it was, uh, it was so much drama, so much stress, tension, but man, they were all first class, all of them, you know, and then, and then we found out today, or I found out today that Graham will compete in this year's Indianapolis 500 from another driver that was injured and, oh. and, and hurt himself. So, I mean, unbelievable the stories, you know, and and there were 34 cars there trying to make a 33 uh, 33 uh, car field for the uh, for the Indianapolis 500. But man, the drama was over the top, and uh, man, I'm glad I tuned into it. It was amazing. I would have never thought that Graham Rahal was going to be the guy that was going to be the you know the guy on the outside looking in, uh, but he was. And uh, man, it was a lot of emotions, you know. And it was cool be- because um, I, I don't know if it was NBC or Fox, whoever was c- carrying it. it. But uh, but man, the emotions, man. You know, he was trying to thank everybody, and it just he was just going to show you. You know, he was telling everybody how intense and how challenging, and and what the what the Indianapolis Five Hundred means to every driver. And, yeah. and and then to couldn't make it through the interview, you know, and to see his wife, Courtney forced right there uh, and his kids to, to support him, I mean, it was just – it was over the top. It was unbelievable to see all that play out live on television. But, man, uh, you know, uh, to hear Brian talk earlier about what the Indianapolis 500 means, I mean, ever since I was a little boy and can remember – Watching television, man, I've always been a big fan of the Indianapolis 500. My, my childhood, my hero, my friend AJ Foyt. Uh, his cars are solid into the field, and uh, but man, it's a spectacle. It's the biggest racing, uh, the biggest racing uh, weekend of uh, of the year, and uh, and I can't wait. I'm flying to Indianapolis to to watch the race. I'll be there. And I'm excited, but man, it's going to be a great weekend of not only all the NASCAR stuff, but the Indianapolis 500 as well.
0: Oh, no doubt, Dominic. As we wrap up our news and notes, give us the rundown the uh, the triple header weekend uh, with F1, Indy, and NASCAR here. What's uh, what's kind of the uh, the, the preview uh, on deck for those three races?
2: Man, Monaco, Indianapolis, Charlotte. Didn't the Beach Boys sing a song about that? I mean, that that just seems like it'd be a great instant classic. It's the greatest weekend in racing. You start in the morning, the Formula One, Monaco, Max Verstappen, Sergio Perez are the two favorites to, to win the race out there. And then you fast forward to Indianapolis, and you're going to have a great race weekend out there. Alex Blow and Scott Dixon are the favorites there. And then you move to the Coca-Cola 600, the longest NASCAR race of the year, Sunday night on Fox. And Kyle Larson, your all-star winner, is the odds-on favorite, four and a half to one. And last year's winner, Denny Hamlin, at five and a half to one.
0: Dom, uh, every year I pick all three races. And I've gone three for three before. I'm going to try to go three for three right now, Dom. Here's what's going to happen. Max Verstappen, he's going to win the F1 race. Even if he starts ninth or whatever, he'll find a way to work up there and and win the race. Then uh, the Indy 500 Scott Dixon's going to get it done, get another win. Um, for, for NASCAR fans out there, I've heard the comparison. Scott Dixon is like the Kevin Harvick of IndyCar uh, with his driving style, being able to close things the way he does. I like Scott Dixon. And then Kyle Larson. Uh, watch out. And then Kyle Larson goes wins back-to-back weeks, and he gets it done in Charlotte. So that's your trifecta, your big three. Put your money down on Verstappen uh, as well as Dixon and Kyle Larson. Those are my three. Brian, uh, you're, you're going to be at Indy this weekend. What, what are you excited about about the, this whole weekend as a whole? What are your expectations?
3: I, don't ask me to uh, – listen, I forecast the weather. I don't predict drivers, okay? <laughs> I, I can't – I straw the line there. Um, I already have enough predicting. Um, I'm looking for – okay, so I'm a little bit biased. Again, this is my second year back in many, many years, um, a big devi- a space between. So for me, it's it's, it's just going. Uh, I'm i my wife and th- my two of my three boys are going to be sitting with us, and then some friends of mine, and then our one son who's who's who graduated Purdue uh, a week, uh, two weeks ago. Well, two weeks then, will be marching with the Purdue band. So he'll get to, and what they've been doing is when the band crosses, the, some of them will drop down and kiss the bricks. So he'll probably do that once again, but he'll be in uniform. So he's excited. So for me, it's a family thing um and then turning around coming home probably watching uh the 600 but uh just just getting to i mean and then i'll just take whatever driver hopefully the driver wins that's in my pool okay whatever random guy i get in our family pool that's or woman that's the one i hope wins (laughs) so i can win some money
0: (laughs) david uh what do you think's gonna happen uh here this weekend
1: well, man, I'm I'm excited for, uh, you know, there's a lot of stories for the Indianapolis 500. My, my two guys I'll be cheering for are the two A.J. Foyt cars. I'd love to see A.J. Foyt win another Indianapolis 500 uh, for just lots and lots of reasons. And uh, uh, there's another great story there. I think Tony Canon, this is his last Indianapolis 500. I believe it's his 25th. And uh, he's a a, a a crowd favorite, you know, and he's such a great ambassador to indie Car racing, and he's just a he's a great racer, and I love to see him win as well. But there's so many other great stories in the field, uh, uh, so I, I just hope AJ's cars, hopefully one of them ends up in victory lane. And if that can't happen, I would I love to see Tony Kanon win his final Indianapolis 500. And then you got Elio Castroneves. Uh, that's going for his fifth Indianapolis 500 win. Uh, you know, there, and again, there's so many great stories. And then the Coca-Cola 600, you know, I'm, I'm excited to see, uh, you know, how it plays out. i love to see, again, Kevin Harvick, uh, vic- victorious. i uh, uh, love to see Kevin win because it'll be Kevin's last uh, Coca-Cola 600 as well. Uh, but man he's gonna have a that's going to be a tough feat because there's a lot of uh you know william Byron how strong he's been all year obviously cal larson uh is just you know coming off the, the big all-star win and uh you know it's just you know it's just going to be a great weekend of racing and i'm so excited to 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 watch all of it and uh and uh and then we'll all get back together next tuesday and talk about it
0: yeah, all right. So David picks Kevin Harvick uh, there, uh, and we're back to uh, the course uh, continuing. It's been a couple of weeks since he picked Harvick, but he's back on the Harvick terrain. Yeah. Dominic, uh, give me your trifecta here. Who who gets it done in the three races?
2: So I agree with two out of the three on you, with F1 and verstappen Verstappen and Kyle Larson with two out of three in the Coke 100. I think this man will get his third Indianapolis 500 in seven years. Takuma Sato at 10-1 to 1, wins mm-hmm. the Indianapolis 500.
0: Okay, and that would put him in uh, some elite company if he uh, gets that third one. So, absolutely, absolutely. Uh, yeah, that'd be awesome to see. Uh, all right, uh, final second before we go. It's our Ask David segment. We'll ask you to submit questions to us on Facebook and Twitter at Star Podcasts, also by email, dot com. You can email us questions there. Uh, and our questions this week for both David and Brian, and uh, we'll get to the inbox right away. Our first question this week comes from mark mark wants to know brian what's your
3: craziest weather story huh that's a, that is a good one craziest weather story. <laughs> you know it's it's tough to say um i will say the most impactful happened not too long ago um i had been blessed if you will uh with my career in weather expanding now over 20 years but it was probably the twenty uh, in my twentieth year. Um, I was working the night of the Mayfield tornado as it was, you know, working um, into our CWA, our county warning area. So to me, working that event where you know lives were lost is it, it, it impacts you. Uh, and I had that was the first one. I did. I didn't mean to go dark, but to me that was crazy because you know I'd done stuff on television, watched weather and different things, but that one left me, it, it, it hit me in a, in a way that I had not been, uh, had dealt with. So I would say that one particularly stands out because of the, the, the extent of that event and then watching the community come together. Um, from a NASCAR standpoint, I think, you know, it was making, going out on a limb and making that prediction of the, the Monday night situation because nobody else was doing it. And normally you don't like to do that. You don't like to go out there without, but I just felt confident and, um, I've I if I if I say something like that, if I go all in and my chips are in, and I say washout, you know, I, I don't I don't put the terms washout, rainout, whatever for a race when I do these lightly. Okay, again, I'm doing this for fans. Fans make decisions, and they can be making decisions based on my information. So very rarely do I like say, prepare for Monday. We're going to be racing Monday. But if I do, you know, it It came from a real confident place that I would, would say something like that. So.
0: Right. Uh, David, uh, whether it's at home or at the track, uh, you've seen some crazy weather over the years.
1: Dude, we live in Texas, man.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. I mean, I've, 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 being from Houston, Texas, I've lived, you know, lived through uh, several hurricanes and, uh, you know, I'm never, you know, people always say, man, you're from Texas, you ever seen a tornado? I've never seen one, uh, but they're serious business. Just hearing Brian talk about, you know, him uh, being live on, on air and, and having a, a, a live Toyota uh, to, tornado touchdown and they're in their community and and. And to see how powerful Mother Nature is and what it can do to people's lives, uh, and then to see the community come together to help fellow—you know—just, just, just the humanity of it is incredible, you know. But uh, uh, there's been some, you know, been times over the years uh, that we've been at the racetrack, and 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 you know, a tornado was within. A, you know, a five-mile radius and having to to uh, lock down in a bathroom in a garage area. Uh, you know, over the years, that's that's always been kind of exciting and crazy. Uh, but man, you know, you just there's always you know everybody's has a weather story, you know, and uh, and and uh, and I guess one of the things I want to say is you got to respect and pay attention. Uh, to people like Brian and Aaron, because it, it's serious business. You know, we we talk about, hey, are we going to race today, or we're not going to race? You know, how much chance of rain? But man, you know, the weather can turn serious, and uh, people can lose their lives. Uh, the property damage is over the top. It's uh, it's serious business. So uh, you know, to have uh, our weather man Brian on with us today, our NASCAR weather guy. Uh, it's kind of cool because it's it, it's. I know we laugh about it and talk about it, but it, it is serious.
3: Go ahead. Brian. I will say. I will say. Speaking, I did. You just said something, David, that reminded me of something else. Crazy weather-wise, and since this is we're talking the five hundred and stuff, I was in the two thousand and four tornado that's touched down outside of the Indianapolis Motor Speedway South. I was going back to my hometown of Martinsville, Indiana. And they stopped the highway and it hit the, at least, sh- and we were close by enough that it shook the van we were in. So, yeah. Yeah. I was in a tornado coming home from the Indianapolis 500, <laughs> so.
1: Man, that's tough, man. And I, yeah. I've seen, you see what tornadoes can do to vehicles, man. They just pick them up and throw them like, uh, like it's no big deal. This a one nice shook. Box car. Yeah.
0: yeah. Yeah. But, you know, uh, Brian, you work in the news side of things, Uh you know, we're, we're we, as it is, we, we tell people all the time, we're not trying to scare people. We're trying to make them weather al- aware of what's going on. And that's a common term you hear in, in media when it comes to weather and everything. And when I was doing local radio in Lawrence, Kansas, I remember we had an EF4 tornado come through and I was live on the air as it happened, and trying to keep people informed and update what's going on. And sure enough, like, you know, whether we could we could see that weather was bad for a good two hours ahead of time and told people what was going on. And sure enough, we were fortunate. There was no fatalities that day. And to this day, I I believe Brian, that uh, lives were saved because of the coverage we did local radio wise. We didn't have TV telling us what was going on because we were, you know, weren't getting the coverage, uh, you know, in in that community TV wise. Uh, I, 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 the, days like that reminded me just how important, you know, the job can be and the the public service that, that media can be to people.
3: Well, and you made it. Uh, the weather enterprise from the media to the public to the apps to the, the weather service and stuff like now that, that I'm at. And the same thing. We lost lives in Kentucky and across there uh, on the Mayfield event that came through on that December 10th and the 11th. And I was, it was overnight. But I will tell you this much. I do think it could have been worse. I think it was very well talked about on all the things so um like you said it's fun to make fun of the weather person you know oh they're wrong all the time and stuff like that and I take that with a grain of salt I get it you know weather impacts you know and when when weather messes up our events we want to blame somebody it's hard to blame uh nothing but it is what it is and um but generally, the when when it, when the weather's at its worst, when it's really bad and we see it coming, there are times where we miss them. And I will be honest, there are times where uh, we miss them. There are these weird situations. But the big events, we typically, as a, a weather enterprise as a whole, uh, do a good job. So, you know, as long as people listen and, you know, don't completely disregard, they're not trying, they're, they're really not trying to hype. They really do think if it's going to be bad, they're going to put it out there. We're not going to be 100% right, just like your drivers. Your driver is not going to win every race. Um, but I will say we have a better win percentage than most NASCAR drivers and most baseball players, too, by the way. so
0: <laughs> Dom, I would think at your days working the uh, the assignment desk, you've probably gotten some phone calls. Get that split screen off my screen, you know. What's and-
2: this tornado warning doing? Like in southern New Mexico, you see a lot of tornadoes and somebody <laughs> from Albuquerque or somebody in the northern part of the state why is this on it's interrupting golf i've actually had this one before. why is this interrupting nascar when nbc has them (laughs) yeah we get a lot of crazy weather in new mexico and i I just think back to some of the stuff like getting seven inches of snow in grants new mexico which sees maybe seven inches of snow the entire year or driving through fog in pueblo colorado on i-25 where you have visibility of maybe three truck lengths crazy stuff but not like what you guys encounter in texas
0: yeah yeah uh that's that's a good point uh we got time for uh, one more question then we'll uh, we'll wrap up on this. Uh our next question for Brian, uh this one comes uh from Joel. Joel wants to know Brian, uh what is your favorite type of weather to forecast besides I I think what what's being asked here from from this question is maybe not necessarily like sunny temperature wise oh no, no as far as um, the severe weather and i think that's what they're going for here
3: i'm not jaded enough yet but i do like the challenge of forecasting snow that is probably the hardest thing to forecast is snow um i like snow uh much too but i'm again i, I do like snow um it's tough i'll be honest and now where i'm at it's even tougher doing what uh doing what i do but um i i do like a good snowstorm and uh I don't know. I I just I I got excited. I like, you know, I like that idea. So that's to me is somewhat fun. It's the challenge of it. You know, how much snow are we going to get? Um, You're never gonna you're never gonna make some people happy. Sometimes it's too much to other two inches either too much or too little to somebody. Um, people can drive on either. And the bad thing is, is around here, we just did not have a lot of snow. So every snowstorm, even if it was a skiff, meaning just a, a little coating on the roadways caused massive amounts of accidents. Uh, so people just need to learn how to drive on it and pay attention and not go fast.
0: Oh, if you ain't first or last, that's what I hear, but that's, that's not the case when it comes to weather. Uh, David, you know, I, part of the reason I moved down to Texas was to get away from snow and everything, but I quickly learned uh, we have these things called uh, ice storms around here, which aren't too pleasant.
1: Yeah, we do, man. They're, uh, and you they got one of your does?
0: palm trees, right?
1: Yeah, man, it killed, it killed three of them. God, that's, man, I was having a good day, uh, Tyler. So you brought up, uh, <laughs> <laughs> sorry, not <laughs> good, man. Uh, yeah I mean you know unfortunately you you have that and uh, you know it it you know what it does to our city man it, it uh puts it and it locks it down that's for sure and yeah. it kills people's palm trees you know so <laughs> so,
0: so so dom when, when you're working uh, uh at the TV station what's the best weather situation for for you to manage typically?
2: Well, I I think that could be a variety of things because people love their weather in New Mexico. If it rains in the Albuquerque metro area, they'll tell we'll we'll get somebody like a photographer to go out and and just get a little bit of footage because that's going to lead all the newscasts. And then if it's a lot of rain or if it's a lot of snow, that's team coverage because that's a rare sight in New Mexico. So that's kind of cool and stuff like that happens. But a sunny kind of day, let the weather guy do his thing and, and get his 45 seconds in the first block of the news and then have his three and a half minute segment after.
0: It's a good day. Eyewitness news more like I missed it. News. Um, I got all my uh, my news puns in today. You sure do, uh, Tyler. Kudos to you. Before we go around the room, what's everybody got uh, going on, Brian? Uh, let's start with you. Uh, well, going to Indy, as we mentioned this weekend, tell us, uh, r- remind the folks again about that and then also where they can uh, see all the stuff and, and follow you, man.
3: Well, I did put out a tweet since I said it here, I was going to put it out there. Um, so I'm at, at NASCAR underscore. W-X-M-A-N, and that, for those of those who don't know, W-X is the old Morris code for weather, so in the weather world, that's the abbreviation. A lot of people are like, what's Waxman? Nope, it's yeah. the abbreviation for weather, um, because of back in the day when I started these accounts, you couldn't have really, NASCAR weatherman seemed really long, so um, I was trying to save characters. Um, so on Twitter, that's generally where I'm at. I don't even have the Facebook page. I just focus on Twitter. Uh, I, I want to give Aaron, again, Aaron Studwell. Uh, he's not our guest, but again, I couldn't do this. And he's another supplement source if I'm dropping the ball at race weather um, as well. Aaron Studwell. So um he's my teammate. And uh, I'm going to say all the right things being the sportsmanship that it is. So, um, but yeah, and this weekend uh, up until Memorial Day, I'm just happy that Sunday looks really good so I can go to work on Monday.
0: David, and you're going to be there in Indy as well. Uh, what what an experience you have ahead here the next couple of days?
1: Yeah, no doubt about it, man. I got some business to take care of, some uh, sponsors to visit with. Uh, so I'm excited to go to Indianapolis. Been a long time since I've been there, and I'm just looking forward to a great weekend of racing, man. What a what a, a, a cool weekend of racing, man. I, I love it, and I'll be tuned in to the Coca-Cola 600, the Community Race Saturday, and, and definitely the Indianapolis 500, man. Oh, yeah. Dominic, be great.
0: Dominic, uh, Dominic, I, I got to say, uh, quick shout-out to us, me and you, by the way. Uh, you had your birthday last week. I got mine on Memorial Day on Monday. Uh, I, I couldn't think of a, a better person to uh, to share a birthday month with than you, Dom. So happy birthday to us. Happy oh,
3: birthday. thank
2: you, Taylor. Yes, thank you, man. And, yeah, it's, it's been <laughs> fun and that's <laughs> going to be a fun weekend of racing. I'll be in Charlotte or Indy this year, and and if you were following along last week, no, I am not branding this weekend, but that was a fun experience. We'll do it again soon, I'm sure. But going to get to enjoy watching the race from home with my wife and son. It's going to be a lot of fun, Tyler, and I look forward to hearing how
0: the birthday celebration with everybody goes later this week and then on Memorial Day as well. Yes, yes. Uh, David's favorite time of year, the Summer Jones, is here uh, beginning uh, this weekend. Uh uh I'll be in uh, Washington D.C. in uh, in the nation's capital for the weekend for Memorial Day. So that's what I'll be up to. But,
1: this, uh, but there's a summer of Jones tour again. The last two of them were a flop, a failure. So what? Oh, happened? No,
0: they were incredible. And, and you're going to be at our kickoff event on Thursday night. You know, for uh, for a birthday. So uh, David, David's all invested. Don't don't let him fool you. He, he's all <laughs> Uh, we gotta go. Uh, big thanks, Brian. Appreciate you joining us, man. I uh, would love to hear from you again. Thank uh, you, Brian, in the oh, near no future. Problem. Uh, oh, he, and, and Tyler, him out, give him a follow on social media. Uh, yes, Dom. Tyler,
2: before we leave, we have a big announcement on our guest in two weeks, man. I'll let you break the news, man.
0: Uh, we we have a very big guest, uh a, a rock star in his own right.
2: Absolutely. David, Tyler, Brian, I'm sure y'all are fans of the Steve Miller Band. We're going to have Joseph Wooten, the keyboard player of 30 years, Steve Miller Band, joining us on the show the first week in June. He went to the Nashville race a couple years ago. Looking forward to hearing about that experience. And they're right before they get back on tour. So the Summer of Jones tour and the Steve Miller Band tour going
0: toe to toe here, David. Some people call me a space cowboy, some people call me the (laughs) game. (laughs) <laughs> um, on that note, we got to go. Uh, big thanks to Brian. Uh, for David Star, Dominic Halligan, I'm Tyler Jones. Uh, follow us on social media, facebook.com, slash star Podcast, Twitter at starpodcast, Podcast. Email David Starr podcast at gmail.com. Subscribe to the show. New episodes out each and every week, wherever you're listening to podcasts, Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and YouTube. Leave us a five-star review, or don't leave us one at all. We'll put the check flag out in this episode, and we'll see you next week. So long, everybody. Thanks for joining us.